Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, that podcast about dating that is a podcast and doesn't know how to describe itself. We are so happy to have you here back with us, listening to us, um, especially in these very terrible times. Before I go too far down any path of chatting away, we are really, really lucky to be joined again by Olivia. And Olivia, I'll let you introduce our other special guest today. Okay. Hi, everyone. It's Olivia. I'm happy to talk to everyone again. Um, and we are joined today by a surprise guest who is my boyfriend, Tom. Yay! Nice Tom, <laughs> Tom you want to welcome. Yourself? Welcome, Tom. And thank you for being so cool and coming on this podcast. <laughs> you got it. You got it. I'm already obsessed with Tom. I have zero chill here because while we were chatting before we started recording, he was like, I mean, I feel like I owe listeners an explanation about why their regular dater isn't there. And I was like, Tom's a gem. Fuck yeah to Tom. <laughs> yes. So, so many updates. So many things we'll get into. I will just do really quick business and then I will shut up. But uh, if you're new here, you tuned into a podcast called 51 First Dates. We have daters go on 51 First Dates. It doesn't always reach 51 dates, but Olivia was a dater who, you know, between COVID and everything, hasn't been on as much. Uh, and so this is really exciting. This is our third dater who has ended up in a relationship. So I just want to shout out our track record real quick. But we are also just a podcast to distract you in these tough times. Uh, today, we will dive into Olivia and Tom and how they met. If you, you know, want to go back further and not be spoiled, feel free to tune into old episodes. We will talk about what content we're consuming. We'll talk about what um, awful tragedy is consuming our country. And, you know, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> I'm so giddy. It's weird because I was in such a bad mood before we signed on for this, quite frankly. I mean, I think moods are are allowed to just swing viciously okay. in the times we're living in, but... Definitely having Olivia and Tom here is exciting, and I can't wait to talk all about everything, especially I'm super excited to talk to you guys about like what it was like to start dating someone during COVID. I think that's something a lot of people are trying to navigate, so lots of stuff. Very um, strange is the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because people are like, now that there's a little bit more interaction in the world, whatever, people are going for it, obviously, and like... It's cool, but everyone's like, wait, how? So we're going to talk all about that. Um, but first, we want to do, we're going to do our, our normal intro stuff with Olivia and Tom. 
So I guess first we'll do, should we do Consumption Corner first? Or should we do Horrible World Corner first? Mm. <laughs> I think we should do Horrible World and Call to Action first. And then we can lighten up the tone with some consumption. That feels that's important right. and correct. Yes. Yeah. As usual, Olivia has the best ideas. Yeah, and I came in all giddy. It's like as though I, you know, thank you, Olivia. Thank you for bringing us back to Earth because we need that. <sighs> okay, horrible word, world corner. Who wants to go first? So it's a tough day. Uh, if this is coming out on Tuesday the 22nd, then mm-hmm. we will all have heard the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away on last Friday. So I think that has made everyone pretty, pretty upset and scared and also energized to act over the next, I don't know, 45 days or whatever it is before the presidential election. So I don't know. It's feeling pretty bummed about all that. over. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. I heard that not to make it all about me, but just briefly at Rosh Hashanah dinner with my fiance's family and we have some disagreements on politics and it was uh tough but also incredibly powerful because his rabbi over zoom gave this like off the dome eulogy for her that made me just break down crying and it was um very very powerful and the life she lived just makes me want to be better and do more so much so I'm just hoping that lots of people are feeling that way and are ready to you know take action and and um try to take on some of like the burdens she's been taking on (laughs) for a really long time um but I don't know I'm still feeling a little bit confused as to how to do that I'm donating I've been I've been donating money to um especially candidates congressional and senate candidates in flippable districts especially Amy McGrath fucking get mitch mcconnell out and um, if you're angry about lindsey graham the biggest hypocrite that ever hypocrited uh you can donate to jamie harrison we can link to that you can also donate via uh get mitch or die trying a crooked media pod save america those guys have a fund you can donate to where they will split it between i think it's 14 different congressional races but uh you know you can also allocate it more specifically um but Tom and Olivia, what if, if you have suggestions? I know they'll be better than ours. So, <laughs> oh, you guys, those were great suggestions. Um, the other things that I would say uh, for donating, the other place that I've seen is Immediate Impact Fund by Swing Left, and they similar to what Kimmy just described. They're splitting donations equally between I think twelve different, um, like highly high, like very close races and races in which there is a large fundraising gap. So like where cash will actually make a difference at this point. Um, so that's a big place. Um, I, I know you guys already talked about this, but you can donate or register to be a poll worker um, to protect some of our old people who would typically do that and to ensure we have a, a fair election. Um, and then the other thing that I think is really interesting is this an organization called Vote Forward that can help you figure out how to do um, writing letters to get people to vote. It's sort of like the Sunrise Project that you guys talked about before. Um, So yeah, I think all those things are important. And like, I think the earlier we can do all of these things and the earlier we can make all these donations and the earlier we can get voting to start and and to actually feel like we have an impact, the better. So I would just encourage everyone listening to think about what we can do, um, both to like make an impact yourself and also to think about, okay, now that I've donated, now that I've, you know, written letters, like how can I encourage my friends to do it too? Like how can you amplify your own voice with 
like your family or your friends or on your like social network or can you organize like a group letter writing to socially distance event like I think that's the next step is to say like okay uh, how do I like make my effect exponential sort of so that's not totally and uh-huh. even in a smaller way oh so sorry I also just like I've had some some uncomfortable political conversations with various friends and family in the last couple of weeks who disagree with me because I've just been like I've been avoiding this and I think I actually need to like really try to make my point and make it with calmness and empathy mm. and I don't know that I've flipped any votes but I do think I've um, landed points that have been received and that's I think like where and when you can do that I think it's it's useful even though it's I'm a big fat avoidant human so I think it's um, it's hard but uh, I found it ultimately worth it um, big win yeah <laughs> Tom, what about you? I'm sorry I interrupted Olivia, throwing it to you, which is more important. No, I I loved what Olivia said, Senator Olivia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm actually in the suburbs right now, and we and have a Jamie Harrison sign up in the yard. So that's a first foray into yard signs for me. But yeah, vote forward. I mean, we're talking about all the same the same things, and I Olivia and I disagree on this, but. You see her talk about this, and I think we actually agree deep down. I I think this is the most patriotic time in my life. And I know how that sounds, and she's going to roll her eyes at me, but she's so passionate about it, and everyone who believes things that I think we mutually agree on feels passionate about it, and that's what that is to me. So I want to take back like the good feeling of like we're all actually working for something that matters a lot, and that should be what that means and not like – flags on pickup trucks and like they should not have a monopoly on all that it's so interesting you say that I was just whining out loud to a friend this weekend and I was like it's so weird I feel like I'm not usually the patriotic one and all these people who think they're being patriotic when you think about just the impact this justice pick and this and just this president and him getting reelected all the MAGA people think they're being patriotic and yet when you look at America's standing in the world that's not patriotic I don't know but that's I I I, as a cynic, Tom, I hear you. I do feel like I'm more galvanized than normal. And Liza, I think I need to be, I need to channel my anger better because I I personally have just been in a very dark place broadly. Not, And I feel so fucking lucky and fortunate with everything going on right now. But uh, the anxiety has not been managed well. And I saw an a, a, a liberal white man who I follow on Instagram who doesn't, post much about anything like anything political um never you know calling out trump or i don't remember seeing much on black lives matter whatever you might not post but his he posted after she died like two things can be true ruth Bader ginsburg it sucks that she died but she really should have resigned other under obama and i lost my shit and that was not productive but i called it out and blocked it's just that extreme kind of I feel like what if you're super progressive, let's all fucking come together. And that is an example of what not to do. Right after that, I started donating. I was like, Kimmy, get it together. <laughs> but I don't know. I just like if you're feeling uh, if you're feeling like I'm feeling like we're all feeling, I do actually think that like as hard as it is thinking about it as your new kind of patriotism or trying to change your perspective into being productive, it's helping me the baby steps I've taken are already helping me a little bit so it's just another thought 
Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. And, and, and I, and I think you're right. Like, I think I tend to be someone who's like scared of embracing the word patriotism because I think so often it, it's like confused with like nationalism and I, right. I, right. And I feel like scared of being like, I'm so proud to be an American. It's like, I don't know if I am right now. Like that's frightening. Like some of these things are really frightening to me that are happening, but no, I think like you guys are all right. Like it's easier to be sort of like cynical and checked out. And like, I, I agree with what like Tom and Kimmy, what you both just talked about, like feeling like this is actually your chance to like become regalvanized and like re-engaged and feel like, okay, this is a time, like it is patriotic to sort of like fight for how you think the country should, should go. Um, totally. Word just scares me, but the sentiment I totally agree with. Yeah. No, I get, I get it. Weirdly, I had a conversation with Jeff this week that reminds me so much of what we're talking about and made me kind of feel patriotic a little bit because I've been very jokingly saying, like a lot of us have, like I'm moving to Canada, like I'm gonna, yep. like I could, I could apply for my Italian citizenship because I like have, if if you're like less than second generation or something, you can get it or whatever. So I've been like, where, where are we going? Like, you can get into Israel. I can get into Italy. Like, where, what, what should we do? And he, you know, is a joke ultimately, but he's been like, no, like, we don't want to leave. We want to like stay and fight for it, you know? And that's kind of, I think made me feel more patriotic. It's like, this country has allowed me to have so much. And yes, partially because I'm white and, and not equally distributed and not fairly, but, um, I do feel like, fuck yeah, I want to fight for it. Like this is, you know, I am only American as much as like I have an Italian last name and all this other stuff. Like that's all I am. I don't have another cultural inheritance. Like we eat a lot of pasta and that's it. But, (laughs) uh, you know, this is the only country I have. So like I do feel strongly about like, okay, so now we have to fight for it and make it what we want it to make it and not. You know, so I'm also going to just challenge myself and everyone else to stop the jokes on bailing on it because you don't want to, you know, make it the way it could be. Um, But yeah, it it is true. Like it's it can be hard to feel patriotic, but I do think there's a lot of of patriotism out there that is not MAGA hats. Yeah, true. Also, speaking of MAGA hats, I'm just sharing this because I think it's on this topic, but like kind of funny. I thought I saw one on the street the other day. And in New York, a MAGA hat's a very rare sign, like sight. And it was on this like young, hip looking woman. I was like, what the fuck? And as she walked by me, it said, in the exact same font, it said, made you look Black Lives Matter. <laughs> nice. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. What a delight. That's so fun. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited because, so I'm, I'm in South Carolina right now. I'm in Charleston. And I forgot that bumper stickers are a thing because I haven't really been using a car in in eight years. And now I'm going to get a Black Lives Matter bumper sticker. I'm so pleased to see how that goes. I told Olivia I saw a a Trump bumper sticker where the subheading was fuck your feelings. I've seen that. I I texted Kimmy about a flag with that. I was like, what? Oh my god, I, I lost it. I was on the phone with her too, and I was like uh, trying to get her to come to South Carolina to visit me. <laughs> and I was like, this is, I don't know whether I should say this or not, but I can't let the opportunity go. It's, it's, I, I hate how much it like entertains me in a weird way that it's fuck your feelings because it's just like, okay, it's really as extreme. It is the farce that like it appears to be. It is as, that is an onion article, and it is real yes. life. Yes. The thing that drives me crazy about this is the same thing about my rant about the word hormonal that I have done on this podcast, but I'll do it again. It's like women, 
people love to label women as hormonal, right? But I always like to be to remind people that we don't punch through walls or kill our wives or girlfriends when we're angry. I'm like, everyone's hormonal and our hormonal <laughs> tends to be less violent. But sorry, Tom, I'm not trying to hit on men. <laughs> you are clearly a very good man. But, uh, agreed, agreed. but this is what I feel. I'm like, I'm like, whoever put your, when you put a fuck your Trump 2020, fuck your feelings bumper sticker on your car, like that's your feelings making you do that. You're feeling right. all kinds you of things of feelings. and you're <laughs> not dealing with it well. And that's what that bumper sticker <laughs> is about, friend. Yep. Yep. How uh, many times do we think I'm going to rant about the word hormonal on this podcast? I've already said that exact spiel like six times. Keep it coming. I had to go on a rant yesterday about why the word basic is a tool of the patriarchy. So mm. uh, yeah, I will. I'll spare it. I'll spare you all. <laughs> I want to hear it later because I think maybe for I the agree. Patreon. Oi. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, I I am feeling energized from all of you guys' intelligent resources. We're gonna make sure we link all of those in the show notes, and maybe Kimmy, we can talk about maybe like setting up a donation drive between now and the election for sure. Um, yeah. for some of these organizations, um, I know I'm gonna be donating money, so I'd like to for for us as a podcast to match them some donations. Yep. Um, so maybe we could do a virtual phone banking act. Uh, session in the virtual in the secret facebook group yeah that would, that be, would be incredible great see i we, love that Olivia, what, we have missed you thank you for driving our podcast <laughs> we need forward. you to produce our podcast <laughs> senator and producer uh, olivia yep honestly i think olivia should run for office we need more women to run for office and there is a cool organization that helps them and i can't remember what it is but i'm going to google it while we while we do consumption corner and then, oh. and then i'll drop it into my consumption corner is it my mom worked with this organization i can't i can't remember the name okay it's terrible get your mom on the podcast (laughs) wait is it emily's list or emily's what emily's list does support like female candidates but i don't think it's like the the same yep but anyway Um, we will link it (laughs) yes we'll link it and i'll i'll say it in my consumption corner i'm gonna look it up now but we can start with you guys's Tom, this is a fun little segment we started in Quar. Just like what this is the the lighter side of our intro these days. There's always like the world is scary, and now there is consumption corner, which is what you're watching, reading, doing, puzzling, embroidering to get through. Embroidering. <laughs> Any of it. Crafts, arts. It doesn't have, it doesn't it. just have to be TV. He's been knitting so much in quarantine. Good. Oh, great. Um, my, my cross-dish game has never been hotter. <laughs> um, I can start. I, I, right. I have a variety of, of stuff. Um, some really, some actually good stuff, some really garbage stuff. Um, okay, my actual really good stuff is Pen15 Season 2 came out, mm-hmm. which is a show maybe in the history of the world. Um, have you guys watched it yet? I just started. I'm on episode two, but... Um, I started it too late on Friday after the tar- terrible news and me really indulging in the, the booze, which is not a, another great, not great way to handle things. But I was like, I'm too tired. I can't miss this show. I'm too tired and buzzed, like drunk. Let's be real. So I have to keep going. But I am obsessed with that show, Olivia. Great wreck. So good. Everyone has to love it. You'll feel nostalgic yep. and like horribly awkward. Um, but I find it really endearing. Um, so my I love the clothes. <laughs> the clothes are so just like perfect. I oh, like so many things. I'm like I had that tank top. It's so they just do such a good job. 
I know. And like the intimacy and warmth of like this middle school friendship is so sweet. I love it. I just, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and then my absolute garbage TV show that I'm honestly ashamed about is called Unexpected. Oh yeah. I love that show. Olivia, you maybe mentioned this to me at some point in knowing each other and I got deeply into it. I want to say like this was, I wish it was quarantine. This is a great reminder, but I, okay. For those who don't know though, Please do share. <laughs> uh, I almost can't say it. Okay. The the premise of Unexpected is it's a TLC show, a la 90 Day Fiance quality. Um, but it is like teen mothers who are daughters of teen mothers. And then you just, so it's like, it's like, my, it's like um, 16 and pregnant, but like, you know, in 2020 or whatever. It's so fascinating. Um, I get deeply involved in like the lives of all of these like teenage mothers and fathers. There's a lot of active Reddit subs about them if you want to really keep tabs on them. So I highly recommend this show. I have bet I love that show and just uh, just gobbled it down, but I didn't know that there was a Reddit world about it. So that's what I'll be doing tonight. Um, <laughs> it's really good. I think it's really well produced. I, like, I don't think it's... Obviously, look, we all are people who feel the need as, you know, smart ladies to feel shame about our reality TV habits. But I actually think that one does has gets something right in the formula and it feels um, like the more documentary esque than Teen Mom. Yeah, I don't think it feels as like exploitative as Mm -hmm. Teen Mom. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I saw the first season. Yep. Yeah. Tom, what about you? Uh, well, yeah, so I'm not much of a reality TV person, but I did try to flirt with Olivia by watching Love is Blind. Oh. Like, many moons after it had ended. Um, and it was better than I expected. It was definitely better than I expected. But my bar was quite low. During quarantine, he's, like, texting me, like, so if you had to date one person on Love is Blind, who would you date and why? (laughs) At least, like, make my imaginative texts, like, a, a little cooler than that. No, <laughs> you, asked, like, you literally asked me that question one time. <laughs> I'm sure that I did. I'm sure I did. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, my actual recommendation would be Ozark. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? I haven't. Okay. I highly recommend Ozark. I'm not big into the dark shows. Like it takes me forever to watch Breaking Bad and stuff like that. It, I, it's not what I generally want to do at the end of the day, but Ozark is amazing. Ozark is basically uh, a power dynamic in the marriage between Laura Linney and Jason Bateman. And they're like, un, they're unbelievable acting it. And it is, it is such a good show. It's funny because I watched the Emmys last night and the whole time I was like, God, I really have to watch Ozark because it's just, uh. it got nominated for so much. I don't think it, I, it, one of the actresses won Julia something. She's curly hair. Curly yeah. Hair, Julia Garner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She won she last night. But I was like, oh my God, I've been meaning to watch this forever and I just haven't done it, but I'm going to get on it. Yeah. I didn't, it I didn't think I was going to like it, but then I watched it on, on Tom's recommendation. I'm actually very into it now. So if you are skeptical of that sort of genre, it's not really like a dark drug cartel show. It's like a show about a family who happens to be money laundering. <laughs> I feel that I need like a show to get into at that level. I've been like, do I rewatch The Sopranos? Like what? I need something, you know, I'm, and that, that's a good wreck. I haven't. Yeah. 
I'm in it. I'm into it. I'll do it. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Oh, sorry. One book recommendation that um, I think listeners of this podcast would really like, and maybe you guys have referenced it. It's called Boys and Sex. Have you guys heard about this? No, no. So it's the follow-up to a book called Girls and Sex by Peggy Arnstein. And uh, in it, it's like all about sort of like, um, I hate the phrase like hookup culture, but it's a lot about sort of like boys and sex is a lot about sort of like like toxic masculinity and boys and like how that sort of manifests itself in hookup culture and like how that affects like women. It's a lot of like interviews and like studies about sort of like how sort of like children in each gender, children is weird, how like young adults in each gender sort of like engage with sex as a product of like our culture. Um, highly, highly recommend. I think everyone who listens to this podcast would really like it. Oh, we could do book club. We always say that we are doing book club and then we don't really follow up, but we could. I mean, yeah. yeah. We got time. Exactly. Love it. What are you guys watching? Liza, do you want to go? Um, sure. I am watching like just garbage. <laughs> I, I've been having, uh, I think as part of my kind of generalized life and world anxiety, I'm having a really hard time focusing on anything. And it's been frustrating me a lot this week. Um, so I've been starting a lot of things and hopping off a lot of things and just rewatching garbage but I will say, and I've said it before, I love Golden Girls. It just brings a sense of calm into my heart that I can't replicate. It's all on Hulu. It's so 1980s. It's insane. It's so funny. It like completely holds up. Even in the dumb sitcom jokes, there's something just so charming about it. And it's so ahead of its time. And it's so, uh, I'm just like so obsessed with it. I've been watching that a lot at night. Um, it's like the only thing that my anxiety induced ADD is like kind of letting me engage on. And then I'm continuing my like crushing the New Yorker every week. Okay. Flex. Spree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I was, I was like last week I was telling Kimmy this the last couple of weeks. I've been telling Kimmy this like I've been watching garbage and not reading for six months. All I've been doing is watching Survivor and Selling Sunset and 90 Day Fiance and I resubscribed to the New Yorker, and it's just helping me feel like I really understand things very deeply. Like every week, I sit down with like a fifteen-page article, and it, and I am like, oh, I finally understand a little bit more about like Russian interference in social media, and like it's really helping me uh, demystify some things that are scary, and you know, making me scared about other things. Um, but that's been great. <laughs> And other than that, I have been watching 10 minutes of a bunch of other different TV shows and then um, moving on. <laughs> it's not great. It's making me spiral. I wish I could focus on anything, especially a, like a book. I haven't finished a book in a very long time. Mm. Oh, yeah. Same. I was thinking about oh, that today. And very briefly, the organization I was talking about before is called She Should Run. She Should oh, Run yes, yes. And I think that Olivia should run. And I'm willing to start a petition to that effect. And we'll also link that below. Yep. Okay, cool. Kimmy, okay. what about you? I'll go. Mine are dark and oddly related. The first is the closest thing I've done to like investing some time in reading. Um, and it is the essay that Emily Ratajkowski, the model, wrote in The Cut. I don't know if any of you guys read it. Um, no. It's incredibly written. I did not know how smart she was. And that's really you know, ignorant of me just because she's like a really beautiful model. Uh, it's all about kind of ownership of your image 
in the world of social media when you're a model. And then she also details uh, an assault. She was assaulted when she was younger on a shoot. It is, I had heard a lot of people discussing this article. I saw it passed around. I don't know. I think my mind was just like too dark, don't want to read it. The way she, there's kind of three parts to the essay and it's talking about like, you know, not only this awful assault, but the man who assaulted her went on to publish uh, books of Polaroids of her that he had from that time once she got famous and make a lot of money off of her despite her very public protests. Uh, She's also had a paparazzo sue her for reposting a paparazzi photo taken of her. So she kind of buckets all of these different experiences with who owns my image together in this essay and it's incredibly well written and deeply upsetting but in a a very uh I don't know important way I would just highly recommend reading it uh I can we'll link to it because I'm blanking on the title of it and I don't want to mess it up because uh but it's it's like very viral right now so I would just I would recommend that um I think it just brings up a lot of, again, not that my image is used in that way, but it just brings up a lot of interesting things about the way we consume celebrity content and uh, being a woman too and just, you know, these different, the different ways men in her lives, life that she's both been in relationships with or not, different artists have kind of um, co-opted her image or just how they've related to ownership around her image so anyway highly recommend and even though it's dark and then similarly dark but very very good I'm watching The Vow on HBO have you guys heard of this yes okay are you watching I I have to get my hands on an HBO password and then I'm going to watch it okay so it is (laughs) yeah I mean I'll I'll share F it you know um (laughs) I'm like they're not a sponsor but we'd love to have you um but it is the, about the Nexium cult. Um, and I kind of, again, similarly, these are things I heard were happening, but didn't really, I didn't, like with the essay, I was like, dark, don't need to watch it. I think I've heard about that cult. There were some Smallville actors in it. It was like at its cult leader or this guy, Keith Ranieri, is a monster and, you know, was having sex with all these women. It is, I'm fascinated by cults, but the way it is documented because there were so many filmmakers and actors involved there's so much footage and so Mm. you're kind of watching parts of it you know in real not in real time but um like old footage from when they thought they were just making a documentary and then you watch people leave and continue filming as they leave and the blackmail they're getting and going to the times like right now they're at the point where they've released an episode showing how they got you know they all they got enough people to come out and not be too afraid to say that they were leaving and go to the time. So now I, you know, I don't know what happens even though I, I do. And I just, I highly recommend it. It's again, disturbing, but like, so like the psychology behind all of it, it's, it's really fascinating and very, very um, famous and well-off people were targeted by this guy. Yeah. Like the, I'm so interested in cult shit. I, I haven't started watching it just because of the old, the old EDD I was talking about, but like I, <laughs> Cults are so interesting, and I just feel like it's an accident that I'm not in one. Like, I am so, I fall for shit like that. Like, just feel like any acting teacher I ever had could have absolutely started a cult, and I'd be like, yes, in. Like, where do I sign? Here's yeah. my checkbook. Like, I think the acting class was already the cult. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, to, sorry to break that to well, you. You're not wrong, Tom. <laughs> I saw a great tweet that was like, 
about the vow. It was like, ugh, take the vow, the vow without the branding because there was some branding um, is an improv class or an improv group or something. Like it was exactly what you guys just said. And it was funnier than what yep. I just said. But it was, I was like, oh, yep, it feels, it's all these actors and feelings and then branding. Um, no, but not to make light of it because it is deeply disturbing. And yeah, Eliza, I'm with you. I'm watching it going like, oh, I could have, this could have been me at the right moment yes. in my life. Which you don't think when you just hear the news story. You're like, that could never be me. But anyway. Yeah, completely. Um, all right. Great consumption corner, guys. I feel like I just wrote down like three things that I'd like to watch <laughs> so and read. So um, cool. So I think we're going to take a super quick break. And then we're going to be back with the story of Olivia and Tom's quarantine relish. And... Mm -hmm that's what's going to happen after this break. I'm so bad at throwing to break. <laughs> okay, what a break that was. It was so fun. Now we are back to interview, to grill Olivia and Tom. Just kidding, we won't. But I mean, the listeners have followed your journey, Olivia. It, you know, even as recently as this quarantine where you had a check-in with us and, you know, you had met a really lovely man, but then... Things had not worked out because of the pandemic, but now it seems they have worked out. So can you just tell us how you both met? Yes. Well, so or, I think... Yeah, go for it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it better than I would. No, you know what I'm going to I was going to say, I think, I think we should clarify that this Tom is the same person that you all heard about the last time I was on. So Yay. if you listen to whatever episode that was, I don't know the number, um, that Tom is the person who I met on Hinge in like late January. And we had gone on, um, I think the official account is, we had seen each other eight times prior to the pandemic happening. We were both separated, went to our respective families' houses um, and sort of like continued to quarantine date each other over the phone, um, which was weird, but, <laughs> but fun. <laughs> we can get more into it. Um, and then, yeah. And then, I don't know, you guys all heard like sort of, um, we like had continued to do that for into the summertime and then, um, thing like, I mean, Tom, do you want to take it from there? Like, do you want to tell a little about yourself and like why you left New York? And I can sure. tell the story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. So yeah, th this, this sucked so bad. <laughs> I mean, this is just, I just from the jump. Olivia and I started dating right before the pandemic. We literally had, we turned a little corner the last night that we spent together hanging out. And I mean, it, it, it just, I could tell it was gonna go somewhere from there, but then we left. Um, I was singing, so I work for a nonprofit as my main job, but I also sing for the Metropolitan Amazing. Opera. And, and uh, the Metropolitan Opera closed down hard. Um, and so we went to our respective parents' places, kept talking. It was honestly great, I think, like to have somebody to continue talking to like that. And we kept getting to know each other, which was nice. Um, and we both were on the same page about not having any idea 
what to do or where it was going, given that we didn't know if we'd be in the same place again. And I got this news, I don't know how long into the pandemic, but I basically got this news that the Met was not going to offer contracts for the following year to people who get the kind of contracts that I do, singing with the chorus. And so I was in South Carolina. I've been in New York for eight years. I generally have not liked being in New York. I'll say (laughs) that. I moved to Brooklyn for my last year and I love, I have some serious love for Brooklyn, but it's just, it's just not my vibe, not my pace. And um, I came to South Carolina and really liked being outside all the time and felt like I needed to move on and like turn the page on my life a little bit because I knew that I wasn't going to have singing work in New York City for like a year and a half. And so I was kind of freaking out. I was just, I don't know. I was, it, was, it was a very stressful time to try to be making decisions about my life. And to think about going into a long distance relationship that was open, it was long distance, not only for a period of time, but for an open-ended period of time. Uh, I just kind of had the thought at that time, I was like, I, I really like Olivia, but I cannot grow a relationship long distance indefinitely when I was thinking about trying to put down roots in a new place. And then basically a few days passed and I was like, well, that was a bad choice. This person was great to talk to. Uh, Very cool. uh, Very interesting. And, you know, I had no interest in really dating new people in the pandemic. Like that was never going to happen. And as time kind of went on, I just kind of thought about, uh she knows I'm corny you don't know I'm corny uh I thought about how she's like an extremely special person and that I couldn't be like even if I was in South Carolina like the odds that I would find somebody as special as who she is are extremely low and so I was like okay let me call and see if she'd be open to not knowing where this would go but just kind of continuing and basically planning to meet up because like I said, we, we had had eight dates or whatever, but they had been extremely slow. I'll tell you that they'd been extremely slow, uh, like forming a bond. And then when we finally did, it was gone. So we were separated. We were separated. And so we knew that we needed to meet up in order for it to have a shot. And I don't know. I mean, even before meeting up, it felt like it kind of got back to a very good place and then when we met up it was fantastic that was that was when we hugged in your doorway right yeah (laughs) yeah we we hugged in the doorway and I was so shocked so oh man I guess I should tell this story too I was driving up for 14 hours um, to come to New York so we could go on an Airbnb date and about an hour into the drive, my AC cut out. And it was like July, oh August, something. I don't know. It was insanely hot. So I <laughs> I just like put down all the windows and drove for 
whatever, however many hours were left, um, stopped in a smoothie shop to do the one work call that I had planned on the trip and uh, made it up to her and looked like an actual psychopath. I honestly can't communicate what a lunatic he looked like. At <laughs> he was where also, I don't really know why the outfit was part of it, but he was wearing like, like hiking shoes, a full hiking backpack, like what seemed to be sort of like Adidas, like zip up sweatpants, something weird on your top, a full face mask, like glasses are fogged, <laughs> dripping in sweat. His hair, is like, his hair is like so disgusting. Mad scientist hair. I, I've got like curly hair. It was mad scientist hair. No, it, the whole thing was a disaster. I had I had my reasons for each of these items of clothing, I'll tell you, but they were mostly related to having air conditioning. And when I did not, the whole thing just went to shit. But I got out of my car and we met at her door and we, I don't think either of us knew how it was going to go. And I also had not realized how long it had been since I had actual physical touch. That was like a hug. Like we were just like hugging in her doorway and I was like, oh my God, like this actually, I remember this is exactly what it felt like right before we left. And uh, I mean, that was, that was pretty much it for me. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Liza. <laughs> That's an incredible story. And it's it funny because, yeah, I mean, just as you were talking, I was like, there's so many elements of the pandemic that we're all feeling that are amplified because uh, amplified in trying to date in the pandemic like we're all like giant question mark about our futures and then it's like oh also add a long distance relationship to that and it's it's the the open-endedness of the confusion I think is what's so hard for everyone and you guys are obviously like that's that adds a whole other element but I think that the story you're telling is like so powerful and so relatable because I really do think that like true connection, like you kind of can't deny it. And that's right. I feel like what we talk about so much on this podcast is like when you feel a connection with someone, you feel it and you can't like talk yourself out of it because it's not logical. And there's so many people, myself included, I know Kimmy's done this, whatever, have like tried to talk themselves into a thing like, well, he is this, 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 and it makes sense and whatever, but you just like kind of don't feel it. And like what you were describing of like you give someone that hug and you're like, oh, yeah, like we have a connection. It's like, you know, it's just there's something like in our brains that clicks um, when it's genuine and you you have feelings for someone and it's not something you're trying to like force you know yeah Olivia how surprised were you to get the call the first call or text or from Tom because yeah when we spoke it was like we had people reach out to us being like oh man I'm sad <laughs> oh god I know I I, I have since re-listened to that episode and like that was such a bummer of an episode <laughs> so major bummer. I was no <laughs> oh which is we have to dig into that but yeah we're gonna <laughs> it just I mean but like look if you look at the data, I'm sure that most times when things this with this many factors like distance pandemic, yeah. It, yeah, of course you were like, no, it, that's it sucks, but it's not going to work out. Yeah, no, and I, 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 I definitely did not. I was not like recording that podcast, like secretly thinking that like 
something was going to change. Like definitely I was like, and I think I said it in the podcast, I was like, oh, you know, I, I totally get this, right? Mm-hmm. Like you did. in a way, like this is actually quite logical for us to not be seeing each other for like a lot of reasons, mostly logistical. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I was like, I don't think I was, I wasn't like expecting you to call me again. Um, I was, and then even like when, when you texted me and you were like, Hey, can, can we talk at some point? I was sort of conflicted. Like I gener, I honestly thought that you were just calling me to be like, Hey, I just wanted to like explain more of what I was thinking when I broke up with you. I didn't actually. That would have been very uncool. <laughs> I know. Oh my God, I've been- guys do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. But like so many men do that of like yeah. an initial breakup and then like another breakup to be like, here's why I broke up with you. And now I need you to absolve me of what I did. <laughs> it's exactly so I- that. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I think I've, def- I've definitely <laughs> done that. <laughs> I've done it to people too I have to say just so we're not only being like man or bad I've done it yes (laughs) um yeah so so no I was surprised but obviously happy I think I think for me I was um I think when like we initially had this conversation like everything he said made a ton of sense and I think like I was very impressed by Tom, like your ability to like articulate sort of like what you were thinking when you ended things and then like the evolution and thinking that you had over whatever the month or so it was. Um, I think had you just called and been like, ah, I think I made a mistake. Like I miss talking to you. I would have been like, sorry, you know, that's not really good enough, but you were clearly very like introspective about yourself and sort of your own emotions, which is something I've like always liked about you. But, um, was like very important at that point that you could really articulate like what had changed and like why you were willing to sort of try again. Um, so that was nice. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then we met up and that was great. Um, and we like, I think the first weekend we like planned to, we like, he came to New York and then we like went away to an Airbnb, like up upstate. Um, and I think that weekend, like it was on, I think I went into it being like, oh, there's certainly the possibility that this weekend is like really awkward and weird because we haven't talked to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Like like, we went on eight dates before the pandemic, but like, I don't think I can express to you that like six and a half of those dates were like, it wasn't like a crazy emotional connection. Like I think we really liked each other by the end of it, but it wasn't like, oh my God, six crazy romantic dates in a month. It was like six dates over eight weeks or something. Um, yeah. And so- and There's always that chance in early dating too, that at any moment you could you could just be like, oh, this is really awkward all of a sudden. Like, I think a lot of people have been there too, where it's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's good, we're getting along. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I think we said everything we have to say to each other. You know, like, I think that's also a relatable fear where you're just like, could go either way yeah yeah I think we were both just kind of like reserved with each other big time yeah yeah I don't know why but we were both just at a reserved period of our lives so so we were um but yeah but then we like went away for like you know the first time we like saw each other and it was really lovely um in a way that again I didn't expect I thought it could either be really awkward or it could be just like oh this is pleasant to go hiking and like, you know, leave New York. Like, that's cool. Um, So I thought that was an outcome. But then obviously like the sort of best case scenario happened of like, it was an extremely fun weekend. It felt like really, really comfortable. And it felt sort of like instantly like very, I don't, I don't 
don't think it was like we were instantly acting as if we were in a really, really serious relationship, but like, I don't know, kind of like, it felt like I was on a trip with someone I was dating. Yeah. Yeah. And that happened super fast. I don't, I mean, we had been talking for months sure. though. Right. Like we knew a lot about each other by that yeah, point. That's true. And like and, we had been talking during like very stressful trying times. Mm-hmm. Right. So you really kind of get to know. Yeah. It's just like love is blind, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny because that came out right before quarantine. And like, I do think it's kind of applicable where it's like you talk and you're like, okay, like this is, but it's, you truly never know. I think once you translate it to like, okay, we're in person together now. Yeah. I also think, that process was no, oh sorry go no, ahead. definitely not tom you go ahead <laughs> um i just i think that process for us i i'd be interested to hear how you feel about it now olivia um because it was like forced going at extremely slow in a way because like all we could do was have emotional conversations to connect and so we did and i mean over and over and over and then when we saw each other it was like overwhelming because you could feel that we we already had like created some intimacy that was like just over the phone pretty much um so in a weird way i mean it was it was the worst possible scenario for when the timing of when that happened in one way but i mean in terms of like building something good i think it on it might have that way the bad things I'm not sure yeah I agree yeah 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 I mean I think I think we were forced to just be really creative with what we were talking about and like you know I think we just didn't have there wasn't a lot to talk about we were both at home with our parents like you know watching tv all day and and being stressed about world events and so I think like we were forced to both through texting and just like talking on the phone we were forced to ask questions that were like creative and were deeply emotional and like went beyond just like, Oh, what'd you do today? Cause like we weren't doing anything. Like we were just asking questions about sort of like your brain and like your values, which sounds like stupid as I'm saying it out loud, but no, it was kind of fun. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. yeah. Breaker, red flag, yellow flag Ooh. game. That's, that's been a fun one. For us. I want to play that. I wish we had yeah. some ready. Oops. We are not that kind of <laughs> produced podcast. But I think what I love about your story is just it confirms a lot of things we preach on this podcast. But no, it actually I just I relate to the fact that like both I don't know that it was slower than like one might imagine with like you have a great story down to the lack of AC in your car. It's super sweet and romantic and it was making lies and I gush. But the fact that you didn't know date one that this was like, oh, yes, this is it. And of course, you know, distance can't keep us apart. The fact that everything was also, though, working against you and still, you know, that connection brought you together. I know I'm being super cheesy, but I relate to these things in what happened to me when I dated for this podcast. Like I was moving across the country, but then it's like when, when you you can't just lean on, oh, I like that lifestyle with this person. You have – it's just you – two talking together or connecting together and I don't know it's just so it's kind of the ultimate litmus test of do we do we like each other is this worth pursuing even if it took a minute for you guys to be like this can't happen um I don't know I just hope for anyone listening who's thinking about "Mm, 
or maybe I'll talk to my old self rather than anyone listening, but I used to force a lot of things or find excuses for people who literally moved away and did not care as much about me as Tom cares about you and were like, this is over. And I was like, no, it's not really. Um, so I think just like having faith that if if it's meant to be, but if if there's a connection there and the timing is right, like things can really work out, you know, and just, I don't know. I, 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 the, the hiccup that we captured on this podcast where you guys were like unsure about your future. I, I'm kind of glad that we did because now it's like, but look, if it's going to happen, it happens. That's just me being a lot of cheesy words, but I'm just like, it's really nice. I love your story. We're just gushing. I'm, you know, we're just, we're just pumped. I'm like, very grateful that you also decided, Tom, that you would be down to come share with us. And Olivia, that you shared with us throughout. It's just a really, you know, relatable journey, I think. Of course. Um, we also need to hear a little bit about, Tom, how you, how Olivia told you she was standing on a podcast, how you felt about it. Obviously, like, it's incredibly cool of you to be here. Did you feel weird about it? Do you hate us? <laughs> Yeah, you guys are so mean. Um, no, Olivia told me that she had been on a dating podcast, I think on the fourth date third. or something. Is it sushi? Third date, yeah. Third date. Okay, third date. Um, I It didn't bother me at all. I honestly didn't think it all the way through during the date. I wasn't thinking like, oh, so if I fuck up, I'm going to be on a dating podcast. Um but I thought it was cool that she was on a podcast and probably well-spoken person. So I was good with that. Um, I, so I just, I just was going to ask whether Olivia knows what number date I was out of 51. Okay. It's a little, it's a little tricky because as the listeners know, I wasn't talking about every single date I was going on to the podcast. Um, so I think you were like the 14th or 15th date that I talked about on this podcast. However. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's more than I expected on the pod. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of dates. <laughs> that honestly makes me feel kind of good. Yes. See this. Uh, I like that reaction. That was, that's like the, the, the react, not, you don't have to have that reaction if you've been discussed on this podcast, but we were generally very nice and anonymous. And like, yeah, my boyfriend was like, I feel good that you picked me. I was like, yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, you should be yeah. flattered. I feel good. Yeah. I mean, also, like, you're obviously captured as a row in my spreadsheet of all of my dates. So I actually <laughs> could check to see what number total of like this bout of dating you are. I just pulled it open actually. Did you give me like a rating one to five? Um, on each no, I can talk you guys through the fields on my spreadsheet. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this hit those we, fields. Yes, this is more organized than we ever were on this. this <laughs> okay, so I have 45 individual first dates in my spreadsheet, but I will say one of those was speed dating at which I think I probably went on four or five dates. So I'm not that far from 50 first dates, 51 first. You're not, you went it further than yeah, I did. I that's pretty good. Um, wait, I, I wanna, I'm curious actually what I wrote about Tom and my notes about him. Yeah, I gotta know. <laughs> Let's see, what did I write? Real time. I'm psyched, I'm psyched okay. here. So our first date was on January 12th. Now we know. We went wow, to, that's earlier than I thought. Me even. too. We went to Flats Fix in Union Square. 
prefer chips and guacamole. Isn't this fun? I have a oh chips and guac date. Yeah, that's some, like an Olivia innovation. That's, that's an innovation. Yep. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's gonna be bad. Here's my note. <laughs> I was okay. so excited. I said opera singer exclamation point. Um. Was ninety percent sure he would be really weird, but I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> opera singers everywhere (laughs) i said he's really upbeat positive and is aware that opera is a strange thing to be into (laughs) (laughs) i said he reacted appropriately when i said that i hated opera that's good and then i said used the word misogyny in a non-pandery way Oh, this is great. I love it. These are great They notes. are great notes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, and then the second date entry was just, went to dinner and the cabaret, parentheses, LOL, to see a show called Witches, Bitches, and Shrews. And that's the only note you got after the second date. Witches, Bitches, and Divas. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that, that was that, a good second date. That was an excellent second date. That was purely timing, but I'm super glad that it that it happened that way because that was I had a good time. Yeah. Cadbury is a good date, a weird date, but fun. That's a great date. You can kind of talk, but you like don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Then I love that a straight man was like, "We're gonna go to the cabaret for a second date to see which is bitches yeah. divas." <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> No, I love it. I mean, we, right. yeah, you just, but thank you for being such a good sport, Tom. Like just completely. Yeah. It's of course it's a good Olivia. We're going to have you back on. We're going to try to do a phone making situation, whatever, but not to put you too much on the spot. Do you have any grand takeaways <laughs> from your dating experiment with us and in the world? Oh my gosh. Advice, wisdom, etc. Yeah, you have to start dating somebody, go on eight dates, time it so that a global <laughs> pandemic hits, continue talking on the phone, mm-hmm. break up, uh, and then <laughs> schedule um, sort of like a reunion mm-hmm. at an Airbnb. And I think that's kind of like success, is what I would recommend. Foolproof plan. Yeah, foolproof. Nailed it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think, okay, one thing that's kind of lighthearted but true is I actually think people should keep a spreadsheet of dates. Um, not only is it very fun, but it also, you should give yourself credit for all of the time and energy that you're putting into dating. It's kind of nice to like look back and be like, oh, all these like really weird, funny stories that I have. Like, I like that they're tracked. Um, I don't know. I think, I think like my thesis always on this podcast has been to like approach dating from a place of like excitement when you can and feeling like this concept of like, you are holding auditions for who you want to be in your life. Like you are not auditioning to be in someone else's life. Maybe you Mm -hmm. likely are, but like, I think you, but you can't control if they like you or not. So I think like, you just need to always be thinking about like, is this someone I want in my life? And like, you can make that decision. And like, you have to be acting like you're in charge of dating. um, Not like you're always reacting. So I think that's my, and I think that helps you just feel more like fun and positive about it. I think that's my biggest piece of advice. I don't know. That's incredible advice. I think it's good life advice. I think it's good advice for career stuff and friendship and, you know, I don't know. I think that I I would like to embody more of that in 2021 (laughs) or whatever 
year this is after Rosh Hashanah. I think <laughs> 57 something. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I don't know. Kimmy, do you have final thoughts? Do I have a final? Th- I mean, <sighs> I just, I don't know. I don't know what my final thoughts are. We, we, you know, I'm just pumped for you both. Do you guys get to see each other often? That's a question. That's not a final thought. Uh, working on it. <laughs> working on it. Yeah. It's tricky. It's so tricky. But I'm just, well, then my final thought is not, you know, I did two years long distance while I was in grad school and we're, we're moved in together and we haven't, you know, clawed each other apart. Well, that's okay. We, we're still in love. So, you know, I don't know. Just I'm pro long distance. Uh, well, not pro, but, you know, I think it can work. And I don't know. I guess my thought is just thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for coming on. You know, we're going to miss you now that you can't come on whenever you want. I think that means we have to start thinking about a new dater. Shout out to the the people. Um, and we'll think about what we're going to do there. But stay tuned. And yeah, just thank you for always being so cool and sharing with us. Um, I'm just very happy that you guys found each other. Yeah. Completely. And Tom, thank you so much for being so cool and doing this. Uh, you know, I don't think everyone would be like, yeah, all right. Uh, and it speaks to your awesomeness. And Olivia, we must have you back um, as a commentator and smart person. Um, so this is not, I hopefully not a goodbye, but uh, thank you so much for all of your, all of your insight over these oh. dates. And we love you. We love you. <laughs> this is so emotional. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You'll be back. It's okay. <sighs> and to everyone listening, we love you guys too. Um, if you have any interest in being a regular dater, feel free to shoot us an email at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. Um, obviously, it's tricky right now with COVID, et cetera, but it's possible. Um, and is that do, – do I have anything else? I think that's it. Me? Follow us, okay. rate, review, subscribe. That really helps. And, yeah, we love you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.